what is you good? Who that nation and who that family? Welcome into another episode here, Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network. You are tuned every day, whether you're listening on your favorite podcast provider or watching on YouTube. Don't forget that we're here with you every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. And today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Just visit RockAuto.com and don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you. All right, on today's episode, the new the NFL released new roster cut schedules, and they tend to they sound like they're going to present some challenges for NFL teams. Let's put it that way, but they might benefit the players. So we'll talk about how the New Orleans Saints could navigate this new cut structure. And we also got a little bit more clarity on the 2022 NFL salary cap situation as well. So we'll discuss that. And then it is top three Thursday. So we'll get to our top three underrated storylines for the New Orleans Saints heading into the 2021 season before we wrap up with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate, Tyne Spikayoon, back for part three of his conversation. We're talking about the New Orleans Saints draft class, and we very, very excitedly welcome you in to the Johnson and Jackson uh, Kawan Baker hype train. It's official, and it starts in this episode. As always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, deputy brand manager over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked on NFL podcast. We got all that. And a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, so the NFL releases the new cut structure for the preseason. I remember just two years ago, the way that the cut structure had always worked for teams is that after all four preseason games, then the roster was cut down from 90 to 53. There were some times to where you saw it kind of shift a little bit early on to where you had sort of three steps of cuts that you would have to take, get down to 85 or get down to 80, get down to 60, then get down to 53, all that. But now it looks like the NFL is kind of going back to the old way a little bit after the first week of the preseason around uh, August 14th or so. Then you're going to see teams cut down from 90 to 85. The following week after the second week of the preseason, you're going to see teams go from 85 to 80. And then after the final week of the preseason, you'll see them go from 80 down to 53. So not having to go all the way from 90 to 53 in one felt swoop. They'll release 10 over two weeks and then weed out the rest and then sort of finalize their 53-man roster after the preseason, three-game preseason, remember the season, comes to an end. Now, this is great for players because the first five players to be released from all 32 NFL teams now have time to where they could latch on with another team that liked their performance in the first preseason game or has been interested in them for some time and potentially end up back on the field the very next week, just in a different uniform, trying out for a different team during the preseason. Same thing for the week two cuts or the cuts following week two. They could still end up on another roster to continue to showcase their skills and fight for a roster spot in preseason week three, or even a practice squad spot for that matter as well. And then you get to the points where you have to cut down from 80 to 53 before you walk into week one of the NFL season. So this is great for the players, but it's a little bit challenging for the teams. Who do you cut when you have to make those first five cuts? Do you cut five players that you saw? Do you cut for do you cut five players that you didn't get a chance to get out on the field because you didn't feel that they were ready to get out on the field yet? How do you make those decisions? And if you feel like a player might still be practice squad worthy, do you cut them within those first 10 or do you hold on to them and hope that you're going to be able to release them after three games of preseason play and then try to get them off of and, and hope that they clear waivers so that you can sign them back to your practice squad. So it does create a little bit of a challenge for NFL teams to figure out how they want to navigate that because 
if a player is only seen in one game, but you have seen them for you know the entire offseason so far, you might have a better chance of them slipping through the cracks for the rest of the preseason and then signing them to your practice squad than them potentially putting up three games of tape, essentially, and then it becomes a little bit more challenging for them to clear waivers. So this is going to be a little bit of a strategic play for some teams, but we know the New Orleans Saints, they like to wait until the very last second to do everything, right? They like to maximize their time. So I think you would see that same type of situation for the Saints, but it'd be very interesting to see how they might navigate those first 10 cuts in particular, the two cuts of five. Are they going to cut players that they've seen already and just feel like aren't a good fit? Potentially that would make the most sense. Or do they end up cutting players that they didn't get a look at yet? It'll be interesting to see how they navigate it as they move forward. NFL teams also got really good news yesterday on twofold, actually. They ended up finding out that 30 of 32 teams have been cleared to have 100% capacity once the stadiums open for the 2021 season. The only two that haven't uh, gotten that clearance yet are the Indianapolis Colts as well as the Green Bay Packers, which the Green Bay Packers ownership are the fans, so they'll be fine. And it's an outdoor stadium. And Indianapolis was one of the first hybrid dome outdoor Uh, stadiums, right? Hybrid stadiums, I guess you can say, that actually allowed fans in last season. So they should be fine too. So it's reasonable to expect all 32 of NFL teams and NFL stadiums to expect 100% capacity for fans to open up the 2021 season. The other piece of clarity that teams got, and what I think is very important for the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Saints fans, is that a ceiling has been set for the 2022 salary cap. Now, remember, before the 2021 season, they set a floor down at 180, 185, then it eventually climbed up to where it is right now, to where it ended up at around $182 million, $182.5 million for the 2021 NFL salary cap. But they were operating with floors on that one. When it comes to the 2022 salary cap, they've set a ceiling, not allowing it to go any higher than $208.2 million, which is $10 million more than what it was back in 2020. So this is good news for the New Orleans Saints and for the NFL as a whole. The biggest piece to all this is that if revenue shows that it should be higher than that $208.2 million, the salary cap, then that money will end up going back to paying off player benefits that had been put on hold from 2020 that were expected to not be paid back until after the 2023 season. So that's gratefully been accelerated for the players. That's good news for them as well. As for the New Orleans Saints, to have 39 players currently signed for next season, and that's not including some potential extensions that could be handed out during their course of this year, but that puts them out already right around $208 million. So they're pretty much already right at the salary cap, but lots of extensions between Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, even guys like uh, Marcus Davenport could potentially have some of their money kicked down the road as well to build up some salary cap space and allow them to fill out the rest of that roster. But we still have to see the Saints then go ahead and maintain guys like Jameis Winston if he has a great season, Taysom Hill, uh, and of course the extensions awaiting for guys like Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Marcus Williams, potentially even Teron Armstead, so on and so forth. So it'll be another challenge for the Saints heading into the salary cap uh, situation of 2022. That's a problem for next year, which will eventually become a problem for the next years because there's always space to just continue to kick some of this money on down the road. So bottom line here, the Saints, they're going to be fine when it comes to salary cap next season, just like they were this season with 2021. One of the biggest storylines around the NFL and for the New Orleans Saints was how they were going to navigate the dropping salary cap for top three Thursday. Coming up next, we're going to jump in and take a look at some of the top three uh, underrated storylines. So not the biggest ones, but some of the smaller ones that are kind of floating under the radar here. So we'll talk about those. And yes, 
We will be talking about a little bit of special teams as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints are always looking for ways to save on a little bit of money, and so are you. And sometimes when it comes to your vehicle, it's hard to do that. But thankfully, rockauto.com is here to help. They have an expansive catalog of parts, pieces, accessories, whatever it is that you need or whatever it is that you want for your vehicle, regardless of whether you're driving a Dodge, a Daewoo, a Ford, or a Fiat, they've got you covered. An expansive catalog of makes, models, years, pieces, selections, Everything that you need and more are available over at rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been helping auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They've been at it for a while and they know what they're doing. They know how to take care of and value their customers. Unlike some of those chain stores out there that look to upcharge you because you're not a professional and you're a do-it-yourselfer. No concerns about that over at rockauto.com. So go and check them out and don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Houdet Nation, here we are rolling right along with another episode of Locked on Saints. Don't forget to check out some of the other shows in this market as well. Jake Madison does a phenomenal job covering the Pelicans over at Locked on Pelicans. And of course, Matt Moscona covering LSU over at Locked on LSU, getting all that Tigers news that you need as well. So as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, I want to talk a little bit about our top three Thursday. We do this every week. Every Thursday, we look at some top three lists that I conjure and concoct and talk about and everything like that. And I love this segment. I always have a lot of fun with it. And I always uh, appreciate when folks reach out and ask me uh, what to do, you know, kind of give me a suggestion about what to do for top three Thursday. And I got a suggestion this week that we should do top three underrated 2021 storylines, some storylines that we haven't really talked about. So let's do it. I- I'm really excited about this because we do talk about all the big storylines and everything like that. And of course, we always will, right? We're going to cover all the biggest news around your favorite team here on Locked on Saints. But let's talk about some of the other things that you care about as well. You know, one of the things I care about very much is special teams, and there is an interesting or a couple of intriguing battles now that could be taking place when it comes to NFL training camp, New Orleans Saints, of course, training camp and OTAs. And that'll kick us off here for number three. We're going to talk a bit about special teams battles. So of course, we have the punter battle, which is going under the radar right now. Thomas Morstead ended up not retaining or not being retained by the New Orleans Saints, got a press conference and an opportunity to say goodbye and thank you to the fans in a a conference that was really heartwarming, actually. But he ended up no longer uh, being retained by the New Orleans Saints. So then it seemed like Blake Gillikin, the undrafted free agent who was signed out of Penn State last season, was just going to step right into the punter role, but not so fast. The Saints bring in another undrafted free agent, Nolan Cooney, the punter out of Syracuse, who punted a whopping 74 times for Syracuse. Their offense was horrific in 2020. The defense was pretty good, but the offense was just absolutely terrible. And so you end up having now this punter battle between Blake Gillikin and Nolan Cooney that is going to be taking place. And of course, we know that the punting game, special teams game, the coverage game, very important in New Orleans. But so too, of course, is the return game. And the Saints landed a huge undrafted free agent just a couple of years ago in Assumption College or coming out of Assumption College in Deontay Harris. Deontay Harris has been electrifying as a returner for the New Orleans Saints. Finally, one of those returners in the black and gold that when he gets the ball, you hold your breath because you don't know if he's going to break one. And it always seems that he's ready to do it. You saw it a couple of times in that playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he was this close if it wouldn't be for a couple of penalties of you know taking these and housing these punts 
uh, from the return position. And we've seen him have some success in the kick return game as well. But now somebody to watch is five foot nine, 182 pound uh, Lawrence Woods, the cornerback out of Truman State, who was brought in as an undrafted free agent. Just going to read off a couple of things for you. He had four kickoff return touchdowns in 2000 or in his, his most recent season, averaged a whopping 50.7 yards on 12 kick returns. Uh, school's eighth best all-time kick return yardage total at 609, and he was a two-time special teams player of the week award winner during that time as well within the conference. So Lawrence Wood, somebody to keep an eye out on during training camp is somebody that could potentially end up stealing a roster spot as a potential returner at a position that's really thin right now at the cornerback spot because Deontay Harris has dealt with injuries over time. I think no matter what, Deontay Harris is your primary returner, but having a good secondary option not a bad choice for the New Orleans Saints, and they might have one here in Lawrence Woods. Next up, we have the Tano Passigno signing, right? Coming over from Kansas City, six foot seven, 280 pounds. The guy is built like an absolute truck. He's an absolute machine. And he's somebody that, you know, is young, so has a little bit of development to do, has some body control stuff to work on, but he's a good speed to power converter. He's a big power guy on the defensive line, but also has remarkable athleticism as well. He's all the things that the Saints would like. I mean, if he was coming into the draft class, the Saints might select him. And well, they kind of did in Peyton Turner, right? Very similar type of player. But Tano Passigno, somebody that can play inside, can play outside. He could potentially be one of those free agency signings in the trenches that the New Orleans Saints come out as a winner on the other side of. I mean, you look at a guy like Larry Warford over on the offensive side, you look at uh, Malcolm Brown just a couple of years ago over on the defensive side to the point where it was actually a disappointment to lose him this past offseason. Now, could Tano Passigno end up producing at such a level that he ends up becoming one of those steals in free agency that we've seen the Saints walk away with time and time again as an underrated, not very much talked about, undercovered signing? And at number one here, let's talk a bit about the Saints coaching staff. And I don't just mean who they lost. I also mean to talk about who they added, who they moved, and who they promoted as well. So let's start off with the losses to get those out of the way. Dan Campbell, former assistant head coach and tight ends coach, now the head coach with the Detroit Lions and going with him. Saints former defensive backs coach, now defensive coordinator in Detroit, Aaron Glenn. And we also saw Joe Lombardi, Saints former quarterback coach, now head to the Los Angeles Chargers to be the offensive coordinator working with Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley there. Now we can look at the players or the coaches rather that the Saints have added this offseason, two key additions. Losing Aaron Glenn was a big hit. This is a guy that everyone always assumed was going to be next in line at the defensive coordinator position, was getting a lot of defensive coordinator attention over the past few years, but he ends up signing away. And as I mentioned, going with Dan Campbell over to Detroit. Now the Saints bring in an absolute legend in Chris Richard, who helped put together the Legion of Boom in Seattle, one of the most successful and feared defensive back groupings or secondaries we've seen in the NFL in the recent past. Now you have uh, Chris Richard in New Orleans working with guys like Malcolm Jenkins, one of the best safeties to ever play the game. You look at Marcus Williams, who's been phenomenal, Marshawn Lattimore, and then you add young talent around them as well with a guy like Paulson Adebo. This is a pretty good situation for Chris Richard, a great situation for the New Orleans Saints to go to him from Aaron Glenn. They also brought back former starting right tackle for the New Orleans Saints, Zach Streif, to be an assistant offensive line coach as well, something Zach Streif said he was so delighted to be able to accept. And he's been awesome, by the way. Some of his sound bites talking about some of these offensive linemen. 
He feels really good. Feels like it's going to take a lot to usurp Eric McCoy of the starting center position, but he has a lot of confidence in what Cesar Ruiz could do at the right guard spot. Something to keep in mind over the course of the offseason. But the Saints weren't done there. They also moved some players around. Who's the new offensive line coach straight up? Well, that would be Brendan Nugent, who's now there. He moved over from working with the tight ends along with Dan Campbell last year. He's now working with the offensive linemen as their offensive line coach, along with Zach Streif as the assistant. You've also seen Ronald Curry move from running backs to quarterbacks. That's a huge move for, the, uh, for him and a huge move for the New Orleans Saints as Ronald Curry is a rising star across the NFL. Don't forget that name. He is indeed a rising star amongst coaching conversations in the NFL, whether that means becoming a coordinator or a head coach someday, the sky's the limit when it comes to Ronald Curry, who's really, really impressed. And the Saints also took time to promote Ryan Nielsen after he was being quartered away by LSU to be a defensive coordinator there. They end up promoting him up to assistant head coach and keeping him with his defensive line responsibilities. And you can see them really making good on that. That's not just about title and pay. He was in the war room during the draft helping to make decisions. He's now a decision-making entity with the New Orleans Saints and might have played a big role in Peyton Turner being selected. So, all right, family, that is our top three Thursday this week. Top three underrated storylines for the New Orleans Saints. If you have your own, make sure you send them to me over at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, N-O-L-A. And of course, you can always join the Locked on Saints Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Saints, or you can drop them below if you're watching on YouTube in the comment section. What are some of your top three underrated storylines going into the 2021 NFL season four? the New Orleans Saints. We're going to be walking in with a brand new host of six drafted rookies. We're going to talk about that draft class up next with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate Times-Picayune as we get into part three of our conversation. It's always fun to bet on an underdog, and sometimes it pays off big. Phil Mickelson, 200 to 1 odds to win the PGA tournament, and he walked away with a two-stroke win in that tournament. What a wild weekend for him. And what a wild weekend for anybody that was smart enough to put a little bit of money down when it came to him winning. And so you can always take advantage of those types of opportunities by heading over to betonline.ag. You can get in on the action instead of sitting around on the sidelines, whether it be PGA tournament, whether it be the match that's coming up, there'll be some fun prop bets around that, the NBA, NHL, MLB, everything that's going on right now, even reality TV and game shows as well. Bet Online has you covered. And when you go and you put some of that money down, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's your first deposit only. Get that 50% welcome bonus with Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Get it, Huda Nation. We're going to wrap up today's episode with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate Times, Picky Yoon, talking a little bit about the draft class for the New Orleans Saints. Hope that you enjoy this next part of our conversation. All right, y'all. Once again, we're joined by Luke Johnson at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. You can catch all of his fantastic work over at the New Orleans Advocate Times. Picky Yoon, Luke, thanks again for being here with us. We talked a bit about the quarterbacks, your story. Uh, I want to transition now to looking a little bit more around the team, and then we'll wrap up with a little bit of fun here. But when it comes down to the draft class, six-person draft class this time around, coming off of a season to where they had. I'll call it really a three-person draft class in the 2020 year, but then the trade back in to grab Tommy Stevens. But they invest a little bit more with their draft picks this year. What are your overall thoughts across 
this draft class. We can go player by player or really just an overall thought in terms of how they address the positions that maybe they felt that they needed to address or what they needed to do when they came into this draft. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, that uh, in taking the, the overall look mm-hmm. at it, the, the 30,000 foot view, I think in the immediacy of the draft, I thought, uh, you know, my initial reaction was that they they reached a little bit for some of their picks. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you spend some more time thinking about it. And like, obviously, the Saints spent a lot more time thinking about it than we did. Uh, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it just it makes so much sense for uh, for what they are as an organization. Yeah. Um, you know, I think personally, I would have liked to have seen a corner in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality was uh, they tried to trade up for the two premier guys, right. um, guys who did not have the injury injury question like Caleb Farley did, right. um, which we learned after the draft. That was like a huge part of their evaluation process was they were, they wanted guys with clean medicals because of the uniqueness of this year. So, um, you know, it, the, the trade up in the top 10 didn't happen. And then uh, yeah, they weren't going to give up the assets to go up and get a guy like Greg Newsom. Um, right. And, you know, I, I think the Peyton Turner pick surprised some people because they see, uh, you know, uh, Dane Brugler or Mel Kuyper or, or uh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah or whatever have, to have him as a, a second round player. And they say, well, they could have got him at number 60. It's like, well, you have no idea right. uh, if, that's, if that's actually a possibility. And then you start looking at the player himself and you're like, okay, well, uh, he he really fits what the Saints do. Mm-hmm. Like he is he's a prototypical Saints player, and I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him uh, and his growth uh, in future years. And then yeah, I think the the Pete Werner and Paulson and Debo mm-hmm. picks were very similar, right? Yeah. And, and you start seeing this kind of through line throughout the entire draft, where you're like, okay, maybe uh, you know maybe these guys aren't like as is high on the uh, draft expert um, you know, rankings, but they all fit exactly what the Saints are looking for. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're prototype guys. They're intelligent. Um, yeah, they they are are really good athletes, and you can take players like that and you can coach them and develop them, which they place a huge emphasis on. Mm-hmm. And you can get you can get very very good players at, at good value here at, that that fit what you're trying to do maybe they're not going to be superstar players you know maybe pete werner is never going to be demario davis and paulson and is never going to be marshawn Lattimore, and peyton turner is never going to be cam jordan but sure. i think you can get really good players to complement the great ones that are already on your roster mm-hmm. um so and, and like you know i think at the back end of the draft uh i really like the the kawan baker pick yeah um yeah i think he has a chance to stick um, and I, I really like the idea that, that Sean Payton's drafted these kind of guys who are uh, versatile offensive players. We've seen mm-hmm. him do a lot of that stuff on uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, and the more guys you can get, like Deontay Harris and Kawan Baker, and uh, you know, obviously Alvin Kamara can do a lot of different things. I, right. I, like those movable chess pieces are, are so valuable. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good draft. Like yeah. I, I, I know. I would have liked to have seen some things happen, but I think uh, just speaking generally, um, it was pretty solid for a team that was picking at the back end of those those rounds. 
Yeah, I've kind of always held the philosophy. Well, first of all, actually, let me say this. I, I'm glad to hear you mention Kawan Baker because I feel like I've been irrationally excited about him yeah. <laughs> as the seventh yeah. round selection. It's all like I'm trying to keep myself, we, you know what I mean? Trying to keep it. We keep, do this every year. No, it's just, <laughs> just wait until he's out there at training camp making a one-handed right. catch every now and then. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Just, like juking somebody out of their shoes. Absolutely. Like, yes, got what's happening. cut him and put him on the practice squad all year. I don't know. Well, that's good. Well, at least we know we'll have the, the Johnson and Jackson Baker hive. Uh, yeah, that we could have ready right. for training camp. Yeah, <laughs> I won't be yeah. alone in this. But you know, I, I, <laughs> but I think that there's always something. You know, the, the the philosophy of looking over draft classes and everything in terms of how looking at how you feel about what they who they did bring in versus who they missed out on always ends up taking you to two different roads, right? It depends on what it is that your focus is. And I'm always more focused, obviously, on the players that they actually selected as opposed to who they didn't. And so uh, I, thank you for your evaluation of the draft class because I do think that it is a an interesting one that brings a lot of intrigue with players one through six in terms of the order in which they were selected, you know, even obviously Ian Book brings uh, you know, a huge, huge amount of attention with him just coming into a New Orleans Saints system that just happened to have a quarterback retire just before they draft a quarterback. So obviously that's always going to bring attention. And then Landon Young being another one of those versatile pieces as well. All right, y'all. One more big thank you to Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate Times speaking you and at by Luke Johnson on Twitter. So grateful that he took the time to come through and spend so much time talking with us as we continue to enjoy that content over the rest of this week. We'll be back tomorrow with more from Luke as we talk a bit more about the Saints going into 2021. And we'll also get to, in case you missed it, recapping some of the biggest storylines from throughout the week and your questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group. Going to be a lot of fun coming up and a lot of fun too has been the NBA playoffs. But who's been the best player in the NBA playoffs? Hear more about that over on the Locked On Today podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, I thank you very much for tuning in, for watching, for rating, reviewing, liking, commenting, sharing, everything that you're doing to help to grow this family. I thank you so much. And remember, you can always find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.